I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms, but in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM, and it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content, and we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash Transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash Transistor. Start growing your podcast today. Andy, according to my friend, Internet, this is what Letterboxd is. Letterboxd is a global social network for grassroots film discussion and discovery. Use it as a diary to record and share your opinion about films as you watch them, or just keep track of films you've seen in the past. Showcase your favorites on your profile page. That is a lot. You bet it is. That's why I want you to tell our fair listeners just one thing you do with Letterboxd that has changed the way you watch movies. Let them have it. Okay, are you ready for this? So ready. I love lists. As of today, I have 246 lists in my account. I use them to track the movies I watch, organize them in all sorts of different ways. I track them by hand. I clone lists from other people. I use them to plan what I'm going to be watching. All sorts of things. I just, I love creating lists. It's a fantastic tool. Sexiest animated characters. Andy, what is this? We love Letterboxd. And if you're a movie lover, we are sure you will too. And when you upgrade from the free account, you will remove ads and support the great Kiwi team building this amazing service. Just use the discount code NEXTREEL or visit thenextreel.com slash letterboxd to get 20% off your pro or patron membership. And it works for renewals as well. Greetings, horror aficionados. It is I, Pete Wright, here to lure you into the macabre world of Sitting in the Dark, where we will unveil the lurid details and chilling backstories of two bastions of terror, House of Wax and House on Haunted Hill. Picture it! A candlelit room brimming with the scent of cobwebs and shadows. Together with Ray Delancey and Tommy Metz III, we beckon you to draw nearer, to join us in an examination of these diabolical dwellings and the monstrous secrets contained within their walls as we explore how the filmmakers behind the turn-of-the-century remakes of these horror classics didn't learn a goddamn thing in the making. So curl up close and steal your nerves, friends. Our journey through these houses of horror has only just begun. The phantoms that occupy these residences await you, if you dare. So, uh, hi, welcome, uh, everyone, uh, to the show, Tommy and Ray. Hello. Happy to be sitting in the dark with you uh, again. Pleasure to be here. Um, so we're talking about these Vincent Price remakes. That's what we're doing today. We started, we, we 
you, Ray, this was your idea, and you said right. that we did not have to watch the originals. And I was very excited when we had this conversation because I said out loud to the world, oh, I've seen one set of these, and I hadn't seen any of them. That was news. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. These, Do you know what it was that you had seen that you mistook it with? Yeah, it was another. It was another haunted house thing. Uh, <laughs> all I can't same. remember what it was. It's a, it, it looked very similar. <laughs> They're I all don't know. These, they they were totally new to me. All four of them. Um, and so I did watch all four. That was not the requirement. Really, what we were doing was just watching the the remakes, and uh, mm -hmm. and that's where we stand. But to start us off, Ray, do you want to give us uh, a little bit of uh, backstory of your in, impression of the original? Vincent Price films, why you why you love them? I can talk about Vincent Price all day, every day, my friend. So Vincent Price, whenever he made House of Wax in 1953, he was not really, he wasn't known as a horror star yet. This was his breakthrough into horror. And so it really made him a horror name. And on top of that, House of Wax was a really big 3d movie that year that yeah. was the whole gimmick with that movie was that it was going to be in 3d. It's actually kind of cool to see in 3d. I have it on the 3d Blu-ray. Um, but um, what's interesting about that movie though, is even though they made it with the intent to shoot it in 3d, they hired director Andre de Toth who is blind in one eye and can't see 3D images. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. So, so whenever he was making the movie, he really didn't give a, a, a hoot about the 3D aspect of it. Oh. <laughs> so, I mean, you do get so some... Sad. People are just pointing behind some... them instead of at the camera. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? And it's like, that's not how 3D works. <laughs> But, but uh, it is, a lot of people say that that's in his favor because instead of making a movie like, say, Friday the 13th Part 3, where they were just throwing stuff at the camera for right. the sake of it being in 3D, uh, he was able to focus more so on the drama unfolding on the screen. And it was a pretty decent success, uh, House of Wax. It's one of my favorite uh horror movies it's actually on flick chart my top rated vincent price movie mm. uh i okay. i i love and i should also note that house of wax 1953 is itself a remake of the 1933 movie mystery of the wax museum and those two movies house of wax 53 and mystery of the wax museum are very similar very similar in plot uh and uh they've got that same shot at the end where the the woman is trying to break free from her captor and she breaks the face mask of mm -hmm. the villain and to reveal the grotesque face of the burn victim behind him that's something that they kept in all three versions really what did you think of house of wax when you saw it pete well, I, I quite enjoyed it. I, I think it is a uh, it's a fascinating look at like grief and longing and uh, love and, um, you know, the way he 
just sort of sir is acts in service of his craft as you know i thought was just fascinating um and by the time we get to the to the part where we're really where it's un it's revealed that it's a you know he's a uh, he, what he's actually doing in the mm-hmm. uh, in, with the wax it's it is truly uh, horrific like it is i think it is a great example of of classic horror that it mm-hmm. doesn't feel to me like a joke right it doesn't feel like mm-hmm. a goof and some of the classic horrors like if you if you're not in just the right mood they feel goofy this one <laughs> is, and and the premise is goofy right it the premise it is 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 goofy and yet i think vincent price just is is able to sell it in a way that um that i think makes it work i'm i really enjoyed my time with this movie yeah it 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 was good i just want to say right now up front because i'll probably forget to if i don't i'm not saying that any of these movies is amazing and a half you know they're classics the uh but you know they're definitely really cheesy but they are a lot of fun, and yeah. that's why I wanted to talk about them. Now, House on Haunted Hill, uh, <laughs> you had mentioned Emerjo. Um, William Castle. William Castle made House on Haunted Hill in 1959, and as was William Castle's game, he had a gimmick to advertise this movie, and that was Emerjo, which was this basically pulley system that they used during the movie where at the end there there's this scene where a skeleton rises out of a vat of acid and is basically chasing this woman around and it looks ridiculous because it's very obviously a skeleton on a string (laughs) and during the movie emerjo what emerjo would do was a skeleton would emerge from (laughs) exactly what a dumb word for it look over there (laughs) (laughs) but what emerjo would do was during the screenings of the film whenever that that scene played there would be a pulley system that made a skeleton emerge from the darkness in the theater and Mm. scare the audience. That's cool. And so that was the whole gimmick there. And that's something that William Castle was really famous for putting gimmicks with his movies. The Tingler was another one. Right. That was Percepto. That was Percepto. And that one is the, the first one that I was introduced to because my dad, my mom and dad saw it and they said that the way they said it to me when I was a teenager was you you have to watch the tingler but just imagine every third seat during the fright scene someone gets electrocuted <laughs> and that horrified me going into movie theaters for years as a kid because I thought what if I'm going to get electrocuted it was just a little vibrating oh, buzzer no. right? that's really all yeah, it right. was buzzer. was a buzzer and uh yeah no, so it's very movies could be very dangerous is all I'm saying <laughs> So the Tingler, and, and that was the same year. That's crazy. Anyway, I'm the, sorry. These were, che- these were cheap movies. It's not like, yeah. you know, they, they didn't spend like half a year in pre-production and all this stuff and putting all this together. And it's not like they had the greatest of effects and things to use. But the, the, the house in the original is, is interesting. And House of ha- on Haunted Hill, uh, and its remake of these two movies, House of Wax and House on Haunted Hill, 
Haunted Hill is the one that stays closest to the source material, whereas the remake of House of Wax plays very loose with its source material. So uh, that's basically what you have for the originals. One of the things that I thought was so interesting about House on Haunted Hill in the comparison before we jump into the remake is that it is left pretty ambiguous as to whether all of the tricks of the house are, um, you know, plants versus uh, like setups right. versus is the house really haunted and the remake is is a paranormal wonderland and and that's what's kind of crazy about the original when you think about it there aren't any real ghosts in it yeah and i think that actually makes it a great movie because mm. by the time the reveal is out it's like oh my god this is a murder story right this is a thriller right. this is not a haunted movie this is a very different kind this is a relationship story it's about this couple falling apart and mm -hmm. i i think that makes it a really another really interesting i think i for me i like this one better than than house of wax um because i i love the relationship story and the way they talk to each other and and you know behave with each other the all of the rest of the the mystery is is fun but you know watching how it escalates toward that final confrontation in the basement i think is really fun or is really intriguing right. to me um yeah so that leads us to the remakes i guess and both of these are dark castle entertainment that was their whole plan was to remake old horror movies this is joel silver right this was around when like every, exactly everybody yeah. had their own blumhouse like uh what's his name sam, <laughs> sam raimi had ghosts yeah ghost head ghost house something like the ghost house productions like yeah they were all mm -hmm. trying to make it work and none of them really were successful until jason blumbloom who sort of like figured right. it out <laughs> but they were all like remaking these old movies which i think is an outstanding idea we can talk about how well these remakes come off but to take yeah. these old creaky movies and put money behind them and you know update them with actual non-skeleton on string visuals seems like a great idea <laughs> it does seem like a great exactly. idea tom yeah it seems like that yeah. <laughs> well let's do house on haunted hill since it came first chronologically but since tommy brought it up real quick dark castle entertainment you know since that se segs right into house on haunted hill the conception of that movie uh dark castle entertainment uh as a production label was formed in 1998 by Joel Silver, Robert Zemeckis, and Gilbert Adler. And like Tommy said, it was started with the intention of remaking William Castle movies and doing that kind of horror movie with an advertising gimmick kind of thing. And that's what the 1999 House on Haunted Hill was going to be. That was going to be their first attempt at this. And so they got the director and the writer for House on Haunted Hill. They got William Malone and they got Dick Beebe to start working on the script for House on Haunted Hill. William Malone had done work on Tales from the Crypt, the series, and he got the idea to make it a former insane asylum whenever he was doing an episode of Tales from the Crypt that was filmed in an asylum. And <laughs> it's always an asylum. All the right? houses become asylums at this point, I think. That's what I think. And we all, in fact, my house might be a, a, a recovering <laughs> asylum. Watch out for Jeffrey Combs. 
Me personally, I kind of like the idea that they gave the house a little bit of a backstory because the more I thought about it during this watch through the original, they don't really talk a lot about the haunting of the house. They, they talk about the fact that it is haunted and that there are ghosts, but they don't talk about who those ghosts were very much or about the origins of the house or the, the murders or anything like that. Whereas this is all based on the atrocities that were committed by this Dr. Vanicut at this asylum on all of these people. And that aspect of it was actually based on Nazi war crimes and medical experiments that were conducted during that time. And Dr. Vanicut has, you know, you'll notice in the flashback scenes has like different bodies and things like that hanging around. And a lot of that was inspired by these medical experiments conducted by Nazis. Uh, Tommy has mentioned before how he's watched this movie. Tommy, can you tell us a little bit about your experience with it? Yeah, I mentioned, I don't remember if I, we were recording when I mentioned it, but I got to go to the premiere of House on Haunted Hill in Westwood, California. I got tickets to it. Nice. And in very castle-esque way, they had a line of doctors and nurses standing out front, and you had to sign a waiver uh, saying that you mm-hmm. agreed to be scared to death in the movie. And they had a smoke machine in the <laughs> lobby. They really like pumped up the fun sort of party aspect to it. And as a result, I've just always really had a soft spot in my heart for this movie. Uh, I, I own it. I'm embarrassed to say this is the first time that I saw that there was a post credit scene. I guess I yoinked out of the movie when Me I too. when I saw it in the theater. I guess I was just like, well, that's done. <laughs> By the time Chris Kattan re-shows up to pull a lever, I think I was like, okay, my bus is leaving, and I wasn't even taking the bus. Um, this movie, I think, is extremely successful in having sort of an unsafe feeling until it doesn't. There's this one part when I think the movie changes from this is working and I feel weird and unsafe and excited to, oh no, (laughs) everything just fell apart. And it has some really embarrassing, I think, uh, situations past that. But yeah, I love the cast. I love how Jeffrey Rush is just destroying the scenery. and everyone is sort of written interestingly. Uh, I, I have a very big soft spot. This is a real guilty pleasure for me. I go, I mean, I'm with you on that, of course. But I think the challenge that I have is that I did watch these movies back to back. And the thing that I appreciated the most about the original movie was the fact that it was all staged. Like the that I walk out of that movie feeling like this whole thing was this this like nesting doll kind of conspiracy and not a haunting at all and that 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 was the threat that was unveiled and and watching it you know you sort of put all these pieces together when i get to this movie it feels like it's just it 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 leans into the parade of effects and i think the first i don't know the first half of the movie is really great because you know it's all lots of of dutch angles and it's shot really threateningly right it's shot really energetically and i i'm with you i like the cast it's a you know jeffrey rush is is (laughs) just chewing it up yeah uh but fanky jansen is is fantastic right i mean i think that the cast is really great but then it just becomes like that that sort of the period effects parade and 
And because it's so haunted, I mean, this is the most haunted place ever. <laughs> like there are it's so much haunting that I lose the thread of what I'm supposed to be scared of in this movie. It just, well, it's, it doesn't really, it pretends that it's following rules, but the rules keep yes. changing. And the rules change yes. from the beginning when the ghost a zillion miles away changes the guest list for the party. You, right. it mm -hmm. doesn't have any rules. It doesn't have a mythology that really makes any sense. You have to throw that out. Unfortunately, yeah. because then it becomes right. then it becomes about the darkness, and they're like, "What's the darkness? The the erosion, the erosion. The, yeah, no more about the erosion." And then it turns out that that's the big bad guy. It just throws too much at things. That's yeah. why, for me, the movie falls off a cliff after one of the. I think it is a stone cold classic scare. It's one of my favorite things, and it's not really a scare. It's an eerie effect uh, when. My apologies, I don't remember the, the woman that wants to get her own infotainment show on the air. And she's walking around filming people. And she does the Bridget thing. Bridget Wilson. Okay, Bridget. And when she goes up and there's the empty uh, operating room. And when she lifts up the camera, the doctors are all there. She puts it down. They're gone. She lifts it back up and all of them turn and stare at her. That is one of the favorite creepy things that I've seen in any horror movie. And then she gets taken. She disappears into the walls. And the movie runs off a cliff. <laughs> That's when everything stops working. But until then, I think it's I think it's really um, effective, and it's neat. I like them. The thing about both of these movies, and I don't want to jump out of this movie into both, but the playgrounds for both movies are the star. Mm -hmm. Like I love yeah. Yeah, an entire definitely. town being all waxed up and run like a gigantic train set of horror is awesome. And this huge, ridiculous uh, as asylum built on the side of a cliff is crazy with like, you know, and everything can move around and stuff. I mean, the rules don't matter. Nothing matters. But I love the atmosphere. That's what makes it overall a little more disappointing for me is I feel like the promise is there and we weren't ready sure. yet to make a smart, smart characters, real rules that you follow and then in House on Haunted Hill, I've never been more disappointed by a sequence than the saturation chamber. When what's-his-name uh. locks um, Jeffrey Rush in the saturation chamber. What a great idea that you can have. He, the director, and the writer set themselves up with a playset where they could do anything. You put them in there, things start going crazy, it's the kaleidoscopy thing, and then you can have anything you want within that. I mean, all rules are off. And what does he do? He just completely bites off of Jacob's ladder. I mean, yeah. mercilessly bites Jacob's ladder from the hospital scene to the headset that they put on him, to the blind doctor, to the shaky head. And then this director really seems to think that a nude, blank-faced woman slowly opening her mouth and blood comes out is like the epitome of scary, and it is not, because we also <laughs> see that in there. I was just incredibly disappointed by that sequence because it thinks it's a winner when it does that final, final thing and that pullback, that dolly move pullback as all the air and everything out. That's an applause break. And instead you yeah. saw, so the movie thinks like, ha, look what we just showed you. We just blew your mind and said it stole Jacob's ladder and then turned a head, a basketball into a head. And I was just so disappointed. You know you know what's so weird about that, Tom? I I, I really like the appreciate the way you are 
are talking about it because it does, it feels like it's such a steal that it's a movie within a movie, right? That applause break pullback is a hard cut back into the movie that we've been watching. Right. And it feels tonally very different, yep. not just as an aside, but as a short that's inside right. this movie that we're supposed to get a, a separate kind of feeling about. And I, 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 I think that's, that's probably right where I sort of start falling apart too. Like yeah. it, it just, it becomes less of a movie. And I think it takes me back to something that Ray said when we were first kind of thinking about why we wanted to talk about these movies. It was, I, I think, Ray, check me when I start lying. You said that it's so interesting that they have these two original Vincent Price movies and the remakes are appreciably different films, right? Like these, mm -hmm. they took these movies and made different movies out of this concept. And they're still sort of considered remakes, but remake adjacent, maybe. I think this is mm -hmm. one of the things that makes House on Haunted Hill remake adjacent, because that's when it, it goes from, this is a relationship falling apart, to this is the diabolical darkness of our, our, of our legacy coming back to, to avenge itself, right? To, and and mm -hmm. right, it is it is an interesting conceit, and all of these concepts jammed into the same movie mm -hmm. didn't didn't fly overall for me. I totally get that. You know, it, it's I feel like they kind of at the end just threw everything into one big pot and tried to feed it to us, and it's like these things yeah. don't taste good together. <laughs> right. And can I tell you? Can I tell you a thing that bugs me a lot about movies? And House on Hill does one that really. It really just cements the point that they go through this terrible fight to to at uh, the very end, right? We have our final couple, right? Who's mm -hmm. sitting out there? Was it Tay Diggs and Allie Larder, I think? Yeah, that was what. And they yeah. come out, out the attic house and they're sitting at the very top of the thing over a 10 bazillion foot cliff, right? Right. And, and it becomes a joke. The, right, the it ADR line. line they, yeah. They fly, yeah. And all the, I cannot, like, that is the most horrific thing in the movie that they are now isolated on this They're movie. They're just stuck on, the on this pressing. They're stuck there and they play it like a laugh line. Like, right. oh, we got all this money that we can't do anything with because we're going to die here. Like, there is no way down off of this thing without going back into the house. And that's a scary concept. And they made it a joke. And I hate that. It feels like <laughs> so of the period to me. Like, they just, sure, just play yeah. it wrong. It makes me mad. And we're at an but hour. Do you, that that you guys? No, it was terrible. You guys feel it's, that? it's like it's, it's like they were they made it chronologically, and they were like, "And it's an hour thirty eight. We're good." <laughs> good night, everybody. Take some crafty <laughs> home with you. Like, there's no. Yeah, I mean, they ADR. That was one hell of a party. And how are we going to get down yeah. from here? And it's like, oh, and well, you know what? You're it's not such even an trying. Easy resolve too. Yeah, it's like all you have to do. Like, really, it would not be. Either play it like it's the threat that it is, that they're stuck there and the only way out is to go back through the house to survive, to attempt to survive. Or um, put a ladder on the side of the place. Like, just make it a joke and and make the joke that it's going to take them five years to climb down this stupid ladder, right? Because it's 10,000 feet high. I don't know. I just felt like that's a that's an easy armchair fix that they, they just, I mean, so of the era, it makes me crazy. <laughs> you know, there is a sequel to this movie, which I have not seen, but I want to see. And I wonder if, even just in passing, if they mention those two at the end of the movie. Like I if they would love it if that movie opens. 
with a flyby of the original House of Wax, and it's just two skeletons holding chat. Like that. Would be <laughs> That'd be a great way to open it. I think but, if they, you know, in taped all the checks together, they could flap their way down. That's what I would have done. <laughs> Fashion, yep. some sort of a makeshift parachute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, interestingly, speaking of that last scene, something that I never caught until this last viewing was that those two survivors, Tay Diggs and Allie Larder, were the only two people in the movie, uh, the characters who were not related to victims of uh, or the staff, asylum. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did Everyone you know that? Else... That got very confusing to me. I was like, what are you trying to tell me now? There's a family tree. Because, who do I care about? Because that's the book of the Tay vampire Diggs has this right. throwaway yeah. line uh, where he's like, I was, a, I was adopted. Tadix like, was adopted, and the what's her name oh, stole and her. Was the secretary, right? Was the secretary that stole right. the invite? So they are the the ones okay. that didn't actually have a connection to uh, the asylum. Okay. And Ali Larder's storyline, where she pretends to be her boss, there was a, a sequence that they had deleted from the film that actually shows her boss, played by Debbie Mazer, receiving the invitation, and then Ali Larder taking it from her because she didn't want it. it there was something in the invitation that like poked her and made her bleed or something mm -hmm. i don't remember okay all right well i yeah i mean i i think that of those of the cast i i love tay diggs right mm -hmm. i think tay, tay diggs is fantastic and uh jeffrey russ obviously we talked about him ali larder is great um bridget wilson isn't isn't much mm -hmm. no she really media. has a small part yeah, yeah, she has a pretty small part. Um, Peter, weird seeing Peter Gallagher show up. Uh, uh, Sexualized videotape. Peter Gallagher at this time. <laughs> he I was feel in like. a lot of stuff, but this I don't recall seeing him in a lot of horror. Did he do a lot of horror? I haven't seen him in a lot of horror. Uh, just, I, I mean, I know in 1999 he was in American Beauty. Um, yep. I don't remember what else he was off, in off the top of my head. I know that. It wasn't too long after this where he stopped doing a lot of film work and focused mainly on TV. Yeah. So That's, what are your thoughts? But he's just one of those guys that you see in everything. Ray, what are your around thoughts about House anyway. on Haunted Hill? What do you like about it? What works? Are there sequences that stand out for you? I feel like you're just letting Pete and I ramble on and stuff, and this is your topic. <laughs> well, no, the, the thing that I really like about this movie is that you have House on Haunted Hill 59, which is a very schlocky and cheesy haunted house movie. And what I like about the remake is that it seems to me like it they don't so much try to remake the movie as they try to remake the schlock and the cheese. Mm. Do you know what I mean? and update it for a 90s audience. Because if you watch this, it's a very schlocky and cheesy movie by 90s standards. Right, it's not grounded yeah. at all. It's the, right. Everything is heightened, it, everyone is heightened from the get-go. I, I think it's a really fun popcorn movie for horror fans. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's one, you, it's one of those movies that you can have a lot of fun with, but you can't think too much about because it really makes no sense. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's it. And, I think that's the problem with that. And, and what I think, I think both of you touched on this is it has some really good performances, particularly from Jeffrey Rush, who I think 
really knocks it out of the park in this movie. I, I think he just plays a phenomenal character. It, and that a lot of that is all, a lot of that is him because originally they just wanted him to play this generic looking businessman. And he wasn't digging that. And he's like, you know what? Can you make me look more like John Waters? I think it'd be cool uh-huh. if I was more like John Waters. So good. And, then, and especially opening on that bonkers amusement park. The least right. a great yeah. grounding the least for that character. Efficient ride in history. <laughs> like eight people will go on that ride a day. <laughs> but I love the idea. <laughs> this this movie is just a hell of a lot of fun to me. It it uh as far as scares, there wasn't anything in it that particularly scared me, but I can't think of many movies that do these these days. One thing that I always thought was weird was the manifestation of the ghosts at the end. Mm-hmm. That whole yeah, the, uh, like the butterfly melange. It was like a Rorschach right. painting, and, almost right. Yeah, the exactly. Rorschach. Yeah. yeah, I saw and, a butterfly. I don't know about you. I saw my father's penis. Is that weird? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and apparently that was uh inspired by a lot of hp lovecraft imagery as well as rorschach ink blots and and the, the rorschach definitely fits in with the insane insane asylum right. theme i like i'm always a big fan of with haunted houses that buildings sort of become psychic batteries and that once you are yeah. you get put through the erosion then you're a part of the bad thing uh that you see vanka yeah. farmers almost immediately Start saying that she wants, uh, you know, uh, Jeffrey Rush to join them, that they're all sort of this uh, murder house kind of cabal, which I think is really, yeah. I think that's that's interesting. You did just call yeah. her Vamka Farmers, right? 100%. I, think that's I, 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 I really panicked. Yeah. I Vera, what's, her, yeah. what's her name? Vera no, Farminga? I... Famke Jansen. <laughs> Famke Jansen. Vera Farminga. I don't know. We'll Famke never know. <laughs> we don't have the names Chris up Katan. in Coda. <laughs> Chris Chris Jadanska. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Chris Catan is in it. And Chris Catan is I think Chris Catan is great. I like seeing Chris Catan. He's Katan really funny. Uh, for a lot of the movies. Yeah. Katan, when he yells ass, Chris Catan yeah. doesn't do a lot of improv. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> That's you know, the kind from. of part that got elevated during shooting. That they just kept yes. like let cut to Chris, cut to Chris, let Chris do his thing. That right. was really neat. And all of his hurry, 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 I need to get out of here. That really helped set the table in that foreboding, unsafe way that I talked about that lasts for maybe like a half the movie is his incredible fear and devastation about being locked in there. It really sets the table instead of just a bunch of people being like, well, that was weird. He's like, no, it's so much worse than that. Uh, So that was that was smart. The thing that that does it is it is his resignation that as soon as the stuff as the thing goes down. Yeah. It, that he's gonna die he's, like, drink, he's drinking that yeah. he per- yeah he's like okay well it's all over everybody and i think that the way he played that was perfect mm-hmm. for again for that first half of the movie because that means it's so terrifying that we should all just give up right and, and i think that setup is perfect i think the setup is perfect agreed and we haven't we haven't said the words i think we maybe have only said the words but not in uh words of honor jeffrey combs is great in everything he does. Uh, yeah, I was just about to say that. Jeffrey Combs yeah. is one of my favorite actors on the face of the planet. And he plays Dr. Vanica. Oh. And yeah. he uh, 
I, I wish that he had gotten more to do in this movie, but yes, it's what can you do? It's kind of a small role. Interestingly, yeah. er, you know who they originally wanted for that role? Marilyn no. Manson. Oh, oh, interesting. But I guess they since that didn't work out, you know, that's why they crammed Marilyn Manson's cover of Sweet Dreams in this yeah. movie like nine times. Nine times. Yeah. Goodness. <laughs> there, there, it turns out there are too many times you can hear Sweet Dreams. I think <laughs> right? we covered that. That's settled science. Um, and so, and like Brian Blake pointed out in the comments, you know, this era of horror movies really had a thing for new metal, you know? Oh, that's true. New metal. That's right. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, the other two to... bits of stunt casting, though, yeah. Lisa Loeb and James Marsters as the camera people, as the the news reporters in the beginning, I thought were, um, oh, again, yeah. of the era kind of stunt casting that I thought was cute. I don't remember. So in 99, where was Marsters? I mean, Lisa Loeb was the musician, Lisa Loeb. Uh, James Marsters was Angel on Buffy. And I think he oh. was, or he was not Angel. He was um, uh, Spike. Oh. Uh, on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and had moved over to Angel, I think, at that point. I'm I'm not entirely sure where they were seasonally, but it was fun to see him in, in here, too. The only other note that I have that I wanted to touch on here with House on Haunted Hill was the marketing gimmick. Um, just like with the original, Dark Castle Entertainment wanted to pay homage to the movie by continuing the marketing gimmicks that William Castle used to do. And with this one, they had scratch-off tickets that would be given to movie patrons <laughs> that uh, had Scratch-o. cash prizes <laughs> that totaled a million dollars. Oh, scratch <laughs> scratch <-o. laughs> That's really good. scratch -o. Okay. <laughs> but you could, you could win a million bucks? That's what it... According to the information that I saw, the cash prizes totaled a million dollars, and it included stuff like rentals from Blockbuster. Uh, and Warner Brothers <laughs> oh, had intended to... Those have no value continue. at all. <laughs> right? <laughs> and Warner Brothers had continued to... Or they wanted to continue to try to do these kind of gimmicks for subsequent movies. Uh, especially because the next one they were going to do was a remake of William Castle's 13 Ghosts, which was a 3D movie. Right. Uh, but they just decided to abandon those marketing plans. House of Wax. So how did this one land for you? The, again, the, I love the idea of it. I love having this town <laughs> that remaking a town in its own image, but like covering everybody with wax is really neat and when the when it lets the town shine and you're going through and you think you see someone in the window it turns out to be that as she eliza cuthbert cuthbert cuthbert, cuthbert says the entire town is rigged that's really i mean it made me want a town <laughs> like i want a right? little town <laughs> that i can turn on and do that I, um unfortunately the characters are the worst um the characters are yeah, all they, they we really didn't are. know how to make real people yet they're either the stupidest or the weirdest um paris hilton is an interesting choice uh i assume was mm. it was it kind of was it stunt casting in that hey for those yeah. of you that hate paris hilton you get to see her killed and horribly in this movie was that like a big selling point well that wasn't a studio decision that was that was hers to die no to to market her death 
what happened with that was after they had wrapped filming and they were getting closer to the release date, Paris Hilton wanted to start selling T-shirts that read on May 6th, watch Paris die. Oh. And oh, Warner, okay. And Warner Brothers gave her permission to do that, you know, as a tie-in promotion kind of before the film's release. And that kind of really caught on because, you know, Paris Hilton was a much maligned person at that point in time. You know, yeah. a lot of people were, there was the whole sex tape thing, which happened, I think, during the making of this or after, right after they made this, but before the film came out. And uh, there were numerous reports of people who cheered in the theaters when she died. So, sure. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure of that. <laughs> that is the universe I feel like I live in. Um, well, I yeah, like her the, having, agent, she got the like having agency in it, though, that she's sort of yeah. taking that and using it for her benefit. I think that's kind of cool. Well, and that's yeah. like her whole jam. Like you see her in this stuff and, you're, and it just feels like, oh, Paris Hilton is, is a testament to any press is good press, right? right. Like if anyone has <laughs> turned bad news into good news for publicity, it's Paris Hilton. Like she owns that corner and it makes complete sense to me that she would want to play with that sure. in, in this way, right? She got, I mean, she deserves a lot of credit for what she has been able to to turn in her favor, regardless of what you think of her as a person. I don't spend a lot of time thinking of Paris Hilton at all, but uh, <laughs> man, you can totally see how, how that would be a part of her process here. Yeah, totally. One of the things about this movie is it has two, for lack of a better phrase, twists, but neither of them seem to add up to anything. And I'm saying okay. this maybe like, maybe I'm wrong and I missed the significance. The movie seems to think they're a big deal. Number one, that Brian Van Holt, the bad guy. Yes. That we yeah, all yeah. thought that the wrong, that the uh, wax covered guy was the one that was tied up as a child, but it was the other one. Mm -hmm. Who cares? <laughs> was my first thing. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I guess yeah. I assumed it was the other one. But they're both melting people. They're both killing people. So who cares? And then yeah, it's a buddy movie. And then the ADR line of <laughs> that weird ADR line of the thing. By the way, we just happened to look through this file of this town that we never knew existed. And they didn't have uh, two kids. They had three. And then there's that guy from the beginning <laughs> right. waving. Who cares? <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I didn't like because he he doesn't seem to be like continuing on. The town's done. I didn't know. That just seemed like, oh, we're supposed to have twists in this, but we forgot to make it mean anything. <laughs> Did I miss some of the well, right. realization of that? Like, I, I, I think you, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I mean, I mean as far as the reveal that wax faces thing, like you're not the monster, but he's absolutely a yeah. monster. He's making a wax town. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, yeah. I think as far as that twist with Vincent went. I can only assume that their intention there was to make it look like, oh, the ugly guy isn't always the villain. Sometimes he's the victim who's being manipulated by the victim or by the villain. Hmm. And but, still, uh, like, they're like both you melting said, people. But they're both you're right. very like, guilty. That's like feeling bad both, yeah. for Leatherface. Right, exactly. He still, has, right. He still loves <laughs> exactly. Chainsaws. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah people made fun of him when he was young and then he made a skin suit so that's where the sympathy stops but you know this is the this is the thing that i think the movie does really well right I, uh, that 
in terms of, again, building the world of threat, I think the movie does it really well. I find these idiot kids driving through the woods, landing in this thing, the mysterious truck that they knock the light out of the that callback later is super threatening the uh when alicia cuthbert falls down into the into the yes. debris of bodies and they run yeah. into the to the triplet like all of that is super threatening to, to me like they built this this sort of deliverance land uh in, in a way that mm. that i think works for the movie it goes on a little bit too long like there are so many Twists of I'm lost, twists of the fan belt's broken, twists of, but which fan belt? Let's go to the house. Right. You know, there are so many, like, come on with me to this place, and then we'll go to this place together, and now we're in a church. Like, it it just, it felt like a little bit of a rat in a maze. Like, I was just trying to get yeah. to, to the meat of the movie. Yeah. Uh, but the reveal, I thought, actually worked well. I mean, I, I thought those, the you know, the twist of having both of the, uh, twins at, at the time that we meet them the when they first walk into the church and all they see is brian van holt looking over his shoulder like i totally missed that those bodies were waxed hmm. like i didn't catch that they were waxed that first reveal did you guys did you know like no. was that the did you know the gimmick i had seen the movie before so yes well i know but the first well, time think back, take time us back. do you remember being do you remember if you noticed because that that was great no to me. probably not i probably didn't notice that that's a good point. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, <laughs> oh my goodness, there. Yeah, <laughs> I. It's not I called Church those, of Wax. Those things, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I think those things worked really well. Mm -hmm. I I like the way they they lingered with the you know she first walks up to the house of wax says this building is made of wax yeah. that's like I don't know is that cool that might be cool. Um, all of that stuff, as it, as it sort of expands, and you realize the whole town is 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 manufactured like this, I thought was really cool, and it makes it hard to come back around to the parts that feel like didn't work for me, mm -hmm. right? Like because mm -hmm. the setup I thought was pretty good. So where did it fall apart? I think some of it is in, it felt like the movie was trying really hard to make another Jason or Freddy or whatever in Vincent, like the, the mask face, like they're trying to push. This is another iconic killer. Get ready. Cause wax is going to be everywhere in the two thousands, you know, that kind of a thing. <laughs> and it, that, that character never quite felt threatening to me no. enough, right? It, even as he's killing people and filling them with wax, is, it, it just never quite got to the point of, oh, this is a new horror icon. Correct. I know it from the right. moment I see it. I, I was much more intimidated by Bo than by Vincent. Oh, sure. Yes. The, one scene that stands out to me is whenever Elisha Cuthbert is in the basement of the gas station and chad michael murray comes looking for her oh, and yeah. Bo is talking to him and she's right beneath but she can't say anything because her mouth has been super glued shut which by the way was real elisha cuthbert insisted on actually super gluing her mouth shut for that what why which i She's so I, method i oh. cannot imagine wanting to do that but uh authenticity i guess Wow. But and 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 then that scene where Bo stoops down to tie a shoe and he snips her finger Ugh. off Ugh. with the wire cutters or whatever it was, 
oh man that that part just always makes me cringe uh, that's yeah. you know i i i love these movies not because they are good per se i mean i think they're good but not because they're they have great acting or for the usual reasons you would enjoy a movie but i, I think that they are just fun to watch uh, my favorite thing about both of them is the production design mm-hmm. which you guys have already touched touched on here you know the wax museum itself is, is really cool I, I think wax museums are pretty cool in general and to see yeah. them used in this way and then like tom said to see an entire town and then it's just really cool um and then when you know the production really, when everything leverage? starts melting at the end yeah it became that like a Nightmare on Elm Street trope of like when you are running away from someone and you can't get enough traction, you can't get away, yeah. that they're sinking into the house themselves. That's pretty thrilling. When it stayed it was, like that, it. it was great. When it went too big and showed the obvious 90s special effects, that wasn't as great. But the idea of how do we get out of here, just keep tunneling through this wall, which is slowly becoming yeah. porous, was neat. I mean... As the floor is disappearing right. out from under them, behind them. That was a great, great ticking clock. Yep. Like, I thought that was really neat. Do either of you guys have a nut allergy? No. Oh, th- th- no. This is related. The reason oh, I, I ask wait. is, uh, whenever they were digging through all that melting wax, that was all peanut butter. <gasps> or not oh. all peanut butter, but a lot of that was peanut butter. Like there's that one shot where running up the stairs and her foot like kind of goes through yep. the stair, you know, peanut butter. When she's on the wax bed and she's getting stuck in the bed, peanut butter. Oh my God. I would go to that. How museum. do they make that peanut butter hold it? Like they I imagine they just chill it, right? Like cold peanut I, butter. I don't know <laughs> really all the details. Now that's <laughs> all I can think about. I'm gonna go eat a stair. And then I I Another thing that I thought was cool was for the melting house at the end, the the director wanted to use as few visual or um, CGI effects as possible. And while there was some CGI um, augmentation, for lack of a better word, to the scenes, um, they did use miniatures, a lot of miniatures for the house oh, melting. That's cool. It didn't look which like I it. thought was cool. Yeah. Yeah, hmm. I thought it, th- that all. I mean, there are some shots, particularly um, the exterior shots of the house, which definitely look iffy, like iffy computer effects added on. But I, I think it's pretty neat. Uh, just it, it was neat. There, there's a special feature where it shows them melting wax on these miniature houses that are just each one that they made for a particular point in time in the movie. Cause there's like a 10 minute period at the end of the movie where that house is melting. It's just really cool to see. There's some stuff going on in the movie. It's not, there is a slightly smarter version trying to get out. <laughs> I think at times there's a couple, yeah. like there's the, right. there one. Uh, yeah. Let's go follow the smell. I want to see what it is. Why? That was a funny exchange back and <laughs> forth when they're going to that weird, like, and then, the, Here's the thing I've never said in my right, life. Exactly. Oh, you smell that. I want to follow Let's that. Let's find smell. out where it's going. Why? From. And then for him to say why back is funny. Uh, and then yeah. Yeah. you know the the dueling of the twins is overhanded, but there's you know the bad guys are the twins, the heroes are the twins, one good twin, one bad twin. Um, obviously the overhanded way of how they are the twins are reunited in their original makeup when they fall through the floor. 
there's some, you know, there's someone gave some thought to this movie and then lost a bunch of the pages. I think the the challenge that I have is that neither of these movies in their um in in their attempt at remaking and amping up the 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 threat and the gore and the horror of it there's no icon. Like one of the things that that started this whole conversation is Vincent Price. Like there's no oh. Vincent Price mm-hmm. in either of these movies. And and I think that's one of the one of the areas that makes the movie kind of feel less than to me is that there is no one in here that stands out as you know the person to follow who's going to be remembered as their iconic you know uh, horror legend Vincent Price I you know it, Jared Padalecki goes on to Supernatural um, you know who else Elisha Cuthbert's got some stuff uh, mostly comedy um, Chad Michael Murray and One Tree Hill obviously we had that but and wherever I, I'm not a Murray head I'm, I'm sure he's doing fine he's very handsome so but but none of them live live up to the memory of Vincent Price. And no. I don't, maybe, maybe that'll change it's as the decades pass. Good point. Cause the icons for both of these movies are in the title. It's the houses. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the, the asylum or the house. It's the asylum or the town. Yeah. That mm-hmm. is the number one takeaway. That's where you want to, and you can't really like, I want to just keep exploring those things. And yeah. unfortunately, these characters keep getting in the way. <laughs> Tom, Tom you, that is a great point. And that's something you said earlier about how both of these films are playgrounds. And it is by all rights, uh, this is a fantastic franchise, right? This should be a great franchise. We should have more of these movies because the the setup is perfect. You can do whatever you want. You could do whatever you want. You could do whatever you want. And Wax is, weirdly, Wax sort of feels like uh, The Fly to me, right? Like we we talked about the fly, and I was surprised at how the fly as a horror icon is, um, you know, is the scary thing. And I hadn't seen the movies that we watched uh, in in large part, and I thought they're actually they they're surprisingly scary conceits, mm-hmm. right? It, and mm-hmm. wax, like covering people in wax. That sequence where Jared Padalecki is still sort of sent like yeah. lucid inside the wax at the piano is damn scary yep. that was great mm. that was a great sequence and i feel like the the uh so i just feel like there's so much grist for this particular mill that we just i i don't where where are the movies after this right did house of wax kill wax mu- movies as horror movies right where's the most recent wax movie is have we seen that that's a good point i don't know of any off the top of my head yeah I, I thought this was a I thought this was a fair movie just in terms of my experience with it. I I enjoyed my time with it, and it, even as it kind of misses some of the heart of the original movie, it, it's just all wandering adventure horror and no heart, no yeah. no real story behind these characters. We have some uh, interesting news in terms of coming attractions. Rot row. Would Would you like to hear it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting because you remember when we started this, this fair mm-hmm. podcast. There was a, it was a foursome. Yeah, wasn't there another guy? Right, right. Some would say it there was, was another his, guy. Like, I don't know, idea? Idea? <laughs> yeah, I think so. And then... He was on that Marvel show for a while. <laughs> he was on that Marvel show for a while. That's right. Uh, Kyle is back. Kyle Olson has he, he ghosted. I did tell Kyle, that Tom, that you were working on some sweet, sweet ghosted horror jokes on his return. So I know that we're going to need a tight five 
on ghosted horror related comedy for the next show. That's on you. Uh, <laughs> Kyle is back and Kyle is going to be taking on uh, Terrors of the Deep and has, I think, a great uh, set of movies for our, us to watch. We've we've poked at some of these movies in different uh, areas in the past. And now I, I feel like I want to get to them. Where were I they? I can tell you what they what? are. They are underwater, okay. which we discussed briefly uh, in your Lovecraft. In your Lovecraft. And then the duel, I remember these coming out on the same day. I know they didn't, but it's a real like <laughs> big impact Armageddon situation of Deep, Deep Star Six and Leviathan. People go down into the water and things go bad. And all I remember of, I saw, saw both of them. All I remember is the cover of one of them where the swimsuit, the big diving bell suit, and there's just half of them. Hanging. Oh, yes. I remember that. Yeah. Was that Deep Star 6? I want to say Deep Star 6. So I'm excited to see these because oh, I goodness. do not remember these, but they, I definitely saw them multiple times when I was growing up. Yeah. So that'll be our February pick. Kyle is back to lead us through a conversation uh, around Terrors of the Deep. Very excited to have that happen and have Kyle back in the Heck rounding yeah. out the foursome. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had an empty microphone just sitting next to us. You can't see it, but the last year has just been an empty microphone um it's right there and so we're excited about that uh in the meantime uh thank you guys this was a great idea and i i really i enjoyed these movies Me too. much more than i expected to enjoy them <laughs> uh, they, like i said they're not the greatest but they're much more maligned than they deserve to be i think they're a lot of fun yeah agreed i think so too uh, until next time, until February, everybody, on behalf of Tommy Handsome the third, no wait, Tommy Metz the third, mm -hmm. and Ray Delancey, I'm Pete Wright. We'll see you next month sitting in the dark. You know what I got the other day, Pete? Stephen King's latest. Want to borrow it? Do you know who you're talking to? What do you mean? Andy, when's the last time I read a paper book? It's been decades. I would much rather use Kindle, or better yet, Audible. What am I thinking? I don't read paper books anymore either. I'm an audiobook guy all the way. For those of you looking to listen to the books behind the films we discussed on the Next Reel's family of podcasts, get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at thenextreel.com slash audible. There are so many great adaptations from these podcasts available in audio form. Stephen JJ talked about a lot of great ones like Odd Thomas. Isn't that series a favorite of yours? Oh, I love me some Dean Koontz. They also covered The Two Faces of January based on Patricia Highsmith's novel. I bet the book is far better than that movie. Oof. How about the Futurological Congress by Stanislaw Lem? That was the source for that quirky Robin Wright movie, The Congress. Crazy book. Definitely worth checking out. They also covered Lean on Pete, Leave No Trace, Aniara. Papillon, The Goldfinch, The Yellow Birds, and If Beale Street Could Talk. So many great adaptations covered in so many great conversations, not just on Trailer Rewind, but all of the Next Reels family of podcasts. And you can get all of these as audiobooks on Audible, along with thousands of other great reads. Producing these podcasts is a lot of fun, but takes a lot of time. So, we're directly appealing to you, our dear listener. Please consider an Audible subscription to help support the Next Reels family of podcasts. I've been using Audible along with my family for decades now. I love it, and I've read hundreds of books through it. Couldn't be more pleased with their service, and I know you'll love it too. Head to thenextreel.com slash audible and get your free trial. It really helps us out. And you have a world of over 200,000 audiobooks open to you. So much great material available. 
Dive in with a free trial and get your first free audiobook at thenextreel.com slash audible. Start listening to amazing audiobooks of your favorite movie source material with your first free audiobook today. That's thenextreel.com slash audible. Audible.